question right before the break. We've got a great event coming up. It's our first official News Talk STL event featuring Chris Arps and Mike Ferguson and the rest of the gang. We'll all be there. November 10th, complimentary, that means free, event with Douglas Murray of the National Review Institute. He's got some great, he's got a great new book out. He's going to be being, he's being brought in by the Show Me Institute mm-hmm. and he joins us now here on News Talk STL. Douglas Murray, welcome to the Tim Jones and Chris Arp Show. Thanks for joining us on News Talk STL today, and thank you for coming to St. Louis next month. Uh, it's a great pleasure to be with you, and I'm very much looking forward to being with you next month. Uh, very good. Uh, Douglas, uh, I, I, I know we're going to talk about a lot of uh, things. I want to make sure I direct people to the fact that uh, you've got a new book out called The Madness of Crowds, Gender, Race, and Identity, and I was reading some of the descriptions uh, of that, and I noticed that the main theme is that for whatever reason here in the 21st, it started in the 20th century, now definitely in the 21st century, we're in like a postmodern era that you describe where the grand narratives of religion and political ideology have collapsed and instead we're pursuing this ever more segmented intersection intersectionality where we've all just decided to divide up into, into warring tribes and assault one another. None of this sounds very good at all. No, it doesn't. I think it's a recipe for disaster, and the disaster is what we're going through right now. Uh, in the 20th century, we still had um, respected ideologies like the nation-state, uh, which bound us together. Uh, by the early 21st century, the idea of belonging to the nation seems to have slipped away, seems to have become uh, a disrespectful uh, thing to do, an unrespectable occupation to define yourself by nation. I disagree with this, by the way, but it is this is what happened. Uh, various other ideologies started to fall away. People less and less were encouraged to identify as being Christian, for instance, uh, to say the tradition that they had come from. But the thing that started to come as these, ide- as these ideas and these belongings started to recede, other things came into their path. And the thing that in our own era has just washed through the culture, and everyone listening with us today knows this, is everybody being divided up along racial lines, along uh, sexual lines, along gender lines, sexual orientation lines. And this is the business of many of the news stories every day. And it's the way increasingly, and I think sadly, that our politicians speak to us. So they, they speak to us as members of groups. And uh, I think this is a terrible way uh, to go about things. I think it's the opposite of cohering a society. I actually think the national belonging is among the best forms of belonging because it, it brings you together very, very different and disparate people in a common cause, which is your nation doing well. By contrast, all of these other things, you know, pitting the sexes against each other, you know, appealing only to women voters, or, uh, of course, you never hear the opposite of people actually saying they just want to appeal to male voters. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I want to appeal to the LGBT community. You don't hear people saying, I want to appeal to the straight community. People talk about wanting to appeal to ethnic minorities, but not ethnic majorities. And all of these things actually just divide us up more. That's what the intersectional left, to use the ugliest term in the dictionary, the intersectional left has been doing. I think it's tearing us apart. I think we have to realize it, and I think we have to get through it and out of it. 
Douglas, this is Chris Arps. In the description of your book, it says that you reveal the astonishing new culture wars playing out in our workplaces, universities, schools, and homes in the names of social justice, identity politics, and intersectionality. Uh, Here in the United States, we had a case that blew open uh, about John Gruden, the NFL coach, who was fired because of some emails that he wrote 11 years ago to a friend, um, revealed some comments that some consider homophobic or, uh, or, or racist. Is this what you're talking about in your book, how he's canceled because of these type of events? And it seems that race and, and sex were a part of that uh, reason for that uh, dismissal. Well, that's, that's one small aspect of it, because this uh, so-called cancel culture uh, that we're going through at the moment. This is an example. We see an example every day. Uh, what has happened in his case is what I describe as the collapse that's gone on in the internet era, in the social media era, the collapse between private and public talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't approve of anything he said. I think it was all ugly, ugly stuff. But, uh, you know, we, we live in an era where ugly private conversations can be exposed to an out-group that even the person in question would never have thought of using it to. Now, some people say, well, in that case, you're a hypocrite. If you say one thing in private and another thing in public, you're a hypocrite. I, I don't make a value judgment on this. All I observe is that the collapse between things that you can say to small groups of people and things that are broadcast to the world is a very big change in human communication that we were never set up for as a species. You know, I give the example in the book of, uh, among others of this, of, of the young American girl who uh, and five years ago uh, was going to her school prom mm-hmm. and she posted a photograph of herself in a pretty dress, a sort of Chinese-inspired red oriental pattern. And she just posted on her Instagram just sort of, you know, hoping to get a few likes, a few thumbs up. And what happened was various people sent it spiraling around the internet. They said that this was cultural appropriation. How did it feel to be wearing a racist dress? (laughs) And all of this Mm. sort of thing. And by the time the poor girl had returned from her prom, she was famous internationally as an alleged racist. And there are lots of things you can say about that. Lots of things that are just wicked and awful about it. But the, one of the most striking is this thing that we've lost the capacity in the, in the interconnected internet era to divide the private and the public. Mm-hmm. We've volunteered up that divide, but we're living through the consequences. And yes, what always happens is these things always fall along the same lines. So it's always that somebody has said something racist or that they've said something sexist or they've said something homophobic. These are, these are the cardinal sins of our age. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. You know, all of these things are very ugly things for people to do. They're very ugly things for people to say. But it's very striking that this ideology that these are the cardinal sins of our age has basically been accepted so completely across every culture in the West. Mm, Speaking of Douglas Murray, The Madness of Crowds, Gender, Race, and Identity is the new book. He's coming to St. Louis November the 10th. We're hosting an event with the Show Me Institute. Go to showmeinstitute.org. It's a free event. You can sign up and get tickets there. It's Wednesday, November 10th in the evening. Uh, Douglas, it seems like everything you've discussed here is is all of us in the United States of America and some some other Western nations focused 
on small ball to me. It seems like these are small issues. These are not the big first world problems that we should be focused on. And Douglas, do you think that that, that countries like China, these these rising powers, are just so gleeful that we have military and political political military leaders and political leaders who are worried about how woke our military is while communist China is trying to build one of the most powerful actual military militaries in the world. Yes, uh, we know this. Um, I stay in the balance of crowds and it's just become true as info wrote it that the Chinese authorities find it absolutely to their liking that Americans should be obsessing about these sorts of questions at the moment. I mean, there are there are famous ones now, like General Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, um, you know, appear, uh, justifying the teaching of critical race theory at West Point. You know, General Milley was was uh, was backing up the teaching of critical race theory at West Point at the very moment that the American military were losing control of Afghanistan. Uh, I give you another example on the world stage: America's ambassador Thomas Greenfield. When she spoke earlier this year at the session of the UN allegedly dedicated to tackling racism, uh, she says in her remarks that America is a racist country and that the killing of George Floyd is an example of that and the Black Lives Matter is an example of, of how we need to combat this. And uh, the ne- and she also has time to mention the fact that there is an ongoing genocide of Uyghurs in China, where more than a million Uyghur Muslims are currently, as we speak, in concentration camps in that province of China. Um, the person who's up after the American ambassador next at the UN is the Chinese ambassador to the UN, who says, you have no right, Ambassador from the U.S., to talk about anything we have done because you come here and done something unheard of in the history of the U.N. and confessed that you, America, are a racist country. So don't talk to us about our crimes. You have confessed that you are guilty. This is how countries like China, the Communist Party of China that rules that country, deals with American so-called wokeness. It deals with it by realizing that it's very good for other powers who are competing with America, for America at this stage in her history to be wasting her energies on these divisive games that pit the sexes against each other, pit people of different races in America against each other, pit people of different sexual orientations against each other. The Chinese Communist Party finds this very convenient. And it's one of many reasons why I say we have to stop. You know, American school children are every single American school child today is competing with five Chinese students of the same age mm-hmm. who are going to be working very hard to get the lifestyle that young people in America believe is their birthright. They have to be competing with five times their number of people in China to be doing that. And it is not inevitable that 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 birthright continues forever. And the idea that at this juncture in history, this country, the United States of America, the greatest country in the world, should be ripping itself apart and condemning itself whilst failing to look outwards and realizing what's coming along Mm. the road is a tragedy that historians will only wonder at. Mm. Douglas Murray, thank, oh, wow. thanks for all your time. It's going to be a fascinating, wait. sobering discussion. I can't wait. To it's going to be a deep you. discussion on November the 10th. The book is Madness of Crowds, Generation Identity, if you want to check it out ahead of time. Douglas, we'll look forward to seeing you on November 10th here in St. Louis. Thanks so much once again for visiting with us today, and we'll see you soon. 
Thank you, Douglas. Can't wait to join you in your city. Thank yeah. you. Very good. We'll be back with the five o'clock.